thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Just doing all right? It is such a fun time at Radiant Church. Summertime is one of my favorite seasons. There's so many incredible things happening over these few months. Come on, who's excited for Bowl Conference? As we've been in the series about being a presence people, becoming a presence people, Bowl Conference is this incredible opportunity that we have to see our young people, our students, and really students from around the nation at this point, come in and experience the presence of God, to have their lives transformed, to come, become people of passion, passionate worship, and have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, that they can be set apart and consecrated wholly to the Lord, that they can, they can learn how to pray and begin to intercede on behalf of their generation, and they can live on mission. They can make a difference with their lives. Amen? So this is, these are three days that we intentionally set aside to invest strategically into this next generation. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up to serve at Bowl Conference, jump in and serve. If you can't serve, commit to praying for the conference over these three days uh, at the end of June, the 27th through the 29th, because we really do believe, and we see it every single year now that we've done this five, six years as a church, that, that we see so much spiritual fruit take place and take root in the lives of young people. And it is just a beautiful opportunity for us as a church to minister to people who may never, ever really have an opportunity to pay us back. Amen? Amen. Okay. Also, uh, who was at the worship night on Monday night with Andy Bird? How many? So good. How many, it was so good. It was so powerful. There was a kind of a weakish response, but it was so good. It was so good. We need to, to, to wake up. We got another. I know it's rainy today. Kansas City thinks it's October, but um, we just we used to wake up. Let's loosen up a little bit. Uh, my name is Nathan. I get the privilege of serving on the team. I'm going to share the word um, today. And each week, Pastor David has started in Psalm 100, which you just heard. But I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump in for today. All right? Yeah. All right. Hey, we got one. All right. So here we go. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. We can just stop there. It's so good. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that we get to worship you with gladness in our hearts. That we get to come before you with joyful songs. That we get to rest in the truth that knowing that you are God, that you have made us, that we are yours. We are the sheep of your pasture. So today, God, we give you thanks and praise because you are good and you are faithful to all generations. In Jesus' name, we said amen. 
Amen. So today, as we're kind of concluding the series on becoming a presence people, we've talked about different aspects of what the presence of who the presence of God, what that does in our lives, and that we can praise through pain, that we can listen twice because of his presence, that we can share his goodness, his faithfulness to all generations. But where I want to go today is I want to begin by posing the question that if we are a presence people, what does his presence do? in our lives. And I believe that Jesus actually gives us an answer. He gives us insight into this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. And he told them another parable. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So Jesus here is describing the kingdom of God. And I would say that the kingdom of God is the area of jurisdiction for a king, correct? A king has a kingdom. Now, the theologian Abraham Kipur said said it like this, that there is not one square inch of the entire universe in which Jesus cannot look at it and say, that is mine. So if his kingdom, his jurisdiction is universal, it means that his presence is established in those places. So if he's describing the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed, it would be important for us to know some things about a mustard seed to understand what Jesus is saying to us, right? Now, we got a picture. I want to show you a picture of a mustard seed because this is, chances are, this is what we think of when we think of mustard seeds. How many of you guys are 90s kids? All right, there we go. So here's the thing. Now, if you're a 90s kid, your mom spent probably, uh, you know, a sizable amount of money on something called Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, in that Encyclopedia, that's that, there's a list of books, A to Z, and those letters that had multiple, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, it's got, S is really big. It's got two books. Um, we look up facts about something. Now, what, I'm, what ends up happening is that in our Western education, our Western lives, we look at things and we think of what is it like. We think of the form of something. We want to be able to, to drop adjectives and nouns on top of something that we know so that we can extrapolate meaning and purpose from it. So when we say, when we hear Jesus saying that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, we use what we know about mustard seeds to begin to describe what we think the kingdom of God is. But Jesus wasn't a Westerner. (laughs) Your mind just got blown. But Jesus wasn't a Westerner. So in Israel... Mustard is completely different than what we think of here, right? We think about hot dogs, summertime, baseball games. We think of all those things. In Israel, mustard is a weed. It's this highly invasive weed. Here, we have a picture of actually, of a, uh, this is not cultivated. This is mustard seed just taking over a field. So now the, poor, the reason why this is important is this, is that English is a noun-based language. When we speak, when we dialogue, when we read, what's the most important part of the sentence? The subject, the noun. Now in Hebrew, you guys can take that down. Thanks so much, guys. Now in Hebrew, they are not a noun-based language. They are a verb-based language. 
So the most important part of the sentence is not the noun. It is not the thing. It is what does the thing do? We are a people of form. But the Hebrew nation are a people of function. They care less about what it looks like and the adjectives to describe it. And they care more about what does it do? What is the action? What is the verb? So in reading Jesus saying that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he is not saying that it is small, that it is tan or dark brown or black, or that it has it becomes a plant. He is not saying any of those little adjectives or things that we would use to describe mustard seed. He is saying that the kingdom of God is highly invasive and will overrun everything that stands in its way. He's saying that it can't be stopped. That when a mustard seed takes root and begins to go, you might as well kiss that field goodbye because the mustard is taking over the land. That it is fast growing that is found all over the nation of Israel, that it is a wild weed that cannot be stopped, that it is invasive. And it will grow wherever and whenever it has a chance. So I was trying to think of something in Kansas City, in Kansas, that would be comparable. So I was doing my research, studying, and I was, honestly, guys, I, I was really hoping that mustard was, like, invasive to Kansas City. It's not. Just so you know that, it's not. But we do have something I think is very, very similar. It's called kudzu. Some of you have had dealings with kudzu. Kudzu is this highly invasive weed that grows all over Kansas, all over Kansas City. It's this viney weed that can grow over a foot in a day. In one growing season, that means one summer, one spring and summer, this means that this plant, this weed, can grow over 60 feet. It is so invasive and will take over whatever area it is allotted, it is given, it is permitted to grow in. It is so invasive that it will grow up and literally choke trees to death. Kudzu is like mustard. If you stand long enough, kudzu will grow on you. It grows so fast and is so invasive. And that is what mustard is like. That is what the presence of God is like. That is what the kingdom of God is like. It is invasive. And if you allow it into your life, it can and will take root and take over every aspect, everything that stands in its way, every piece of opposition that gets in its path. It will overrun. It will run around. It will take over every single inch. So when Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he's describing what it does. There's a famous quote from Charles Spurgeon about the word of God, and I think that it's, I think we can take the principle and apply it to the presence of God. Charles Spurgeon said that the word of God is like a lion. It doesn't need to be defended. You just need to let it loose. Think that the presence of God, 
We just need to let it loose. If we're presence people, we just need to allow the presence of God loose in our lives because it can and will overrun. The church, the people of God are the agent of change that God has chosen to transform the world through. So if we can allow the presence of God, the mustard seeds of his presence to be cultivated in our lives, we can and will see the world changed. Because it happens in us and then through us. The presence of God grows in us and then it grows through us. So what does it do? How does the presence of God impact us? Well, first it causes us to look up. I believe that sometimes some of the greatest acts of worship are simply taking our eyes off of our current situations and surroundings and problems and stressors and looking up to see the author and the perfecter of our faith. It is so easy to allow our focus to drift, our eyes to dip onto the situations and circumstances that are just clamoring for our attention. The noise of the world trying to get and vie for our attention. It's so easy for us to do that. But the presence of God active and at work in our lives allows us to look up. By keeping our eyes, though, on lower things, we take on the additional weight, the additional stress, the additional toll, both spiritually, emotionally, and even physically, when we allow our eyes to drift downward, there's an additional weight that we end up carrying. Let me show you what I mean. Because we've, we've, we've trained ourselves to look down perpetually. So in 2022, there was some research done on Americans and it says that 89% of Americans look at their phone within the first 10 minutes of waking up. 75% feel uneasy leaving their phone at home. These just keep getting better, just so you know where we're going. 57% consider themselves addicted to their phone. Now, I want you to get that point real quick. Consider themselves addicted. This is like self-diagnosing. This is not you diagnosing because there's other people that you're like, oh, I'm sure they're addicted. They may not know it, but they are. Like this is self-diagnosis. So that number's soft. 47% of people feel a sense of panic or anxiety if their phone battery is below 20%. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> I didn't make these numbers up, I promise. Now, here's the amazing thing. When we train ourselves to look down, when we continually are looking down, we get engulfed with the weights of our world. The news cycles, the stressors, the anxieties, all the things compound in our lives. The amazing thing about the way that God has created us is that they don't just compound mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They actually compound physiologically. There's an actual weight that is increased based on where your gaze is at. The human head weighs somewhere between 10 to 12 pounds. So if you're a large hat guy, you're closer to 12 pounds. <laughs> 
So, but on average, let's say 11 pounds, the head weighs 11 pounds. Now, when you're upright, when you're looking up, your head sits properly on your spine, and that's where the 11 pounds of weight come from. When you begin to look down at a 15-degree angle, just a 15-degree angle, the weight on your spine increases to 27 pounds. Just wait. At 30 degrees, your head is now applying 40 pounds of weight to your spine. At 45 degrees, it's 49 pounds. And at 60 degrees, it is 60 pounds of weight that is being applied to your spine. We have trained ourselves to look down, but a present people, presence people, we look up. So what the psalmist says in Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Or Psalm 123, it says, I lift up my eyes to you who sit enthroned in heaven. To be a presence people, we remind ourselves, we cultivate in our lives looking up because we recognize that our help does not come from looking down. It does not come from our own ability. And I know that's hard to say. Because it's hard, to, it's hard to believe because I want my strength, my victory to come from my own strength, my own work ethic. Come on, we're Midwesterners. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Let's go. Let's work hard. Let's do this. Or my own intellect. But the saddest truth, the most beautiful truth that I could ever embrace is that my help does not come from my own intellect, my own work ethic, and my own strength. My help comes from the Lord so I can take my eyes off of my present problems and allow them, like the author of Hebrews says, to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And listen, your problems are real. I don't want you to hear that your problems are fake. I don't want you to hear that your problems are less than I don't want you to hear that those problems are not serious because there are marital issues, there is workplace issues, there are bills piling up, there are prodigal children that you're stressed and anxious about. There are so many things happening in and around our lives. They are real. But the truest act of worship is not denying the reality of that problem, but choosing to believe that Jesus is still better. That Jesus is still worthy for us to look up because and when I lift my eyes up, I recognize where my help actually can come from. It's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about the goodness of Jesus. So to be a presence people, we lift our eyes up in the midst of our battles as an act of worship. Because it's in those moments that the presence of God, like mustard seeds, are cultivated and allowed to take root. And it defies the logic of the moment. But his presence is working in you and through you. We can rest in the truth that God is for us. That he is our very present help in our times of need. He's not distant. 
And because he is close, he knows us. And he knows our lives. So I can look to him. We look to the Lord and we celebrate. As the people of God, we're constantly moving from the kingdom of entertainment to the kingdom of celebration. Entertainment is passive. Celebration is active. So when you come into any environment, when you're looking to be entertained, you're looking to consume, you're looking for passivity. You're saying, I want my food right. I want my coffee right. I want the temperature right. I want the show right. I want the worship songs right. I want whatever right. I want all of it right so that I can sit back and be entertained. So I can relax. But celebration is active. You cannot passively celebrate. You have to be fully engaged. Think about a time when maybe your kid, maybe someone did something and you wanted to celebrate that moment. You can't celebrate passively. So as the people of God, my encouragement to us is that when we come in to gather as the people of God, presence people gathering together, that it is celebratory. It's easy to go, I didn't like that song. They ran out of decaf. Now I'm going to be wired all day. Good. It's good for celebration. We want you to have a little pep in your step. No, I'm kidding. It's so easy because our world is telling us to be entertained. And yet as the people of God, we're called to celebrate. In Judaism, they, the Sabbath is actually on Saturday. Did you know that? So, but yet here we are as the people of God on a Sunday morning, worshiping, celebrating, lifting up the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because we're celebrating the resurrection. We as Christians began worshiping on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of God. So it's not just an Easter thing. It's every single Sunday we come in to celebrate his presence, to celebrate his resurrection. And it's these moments that we believe that God has moved, is moving, and will continue to move in our lives. So because of that belief, we choose to individually and collectively celebrate and lift up his name because he is good. And what we believe determines our behavior. Our belief determines behavior. So because of that, we have to have a belief that he is moving, that he is transforming us, that he is good. And because of that belief, our behavior is to celebrate, to rejoice. That's why David said in the Psalm, Psalm 122, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Being a people of God's presence, to be presence people should call us, cause us to rejoice. There is a truth that the God of the ages, the creator of all things, the one who, who holds the universe within his hands, desires, wants a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. That fact should cause our hearts to erupt with joy. 
that he is God with us, that he is Emmanuel, that we're not meant to just only experience his presence on occasion, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are where he chose to let his presence rest on the earth. That his presence is with us. Like, that truth blows my mind because I know me. And I know you. And listen, none of us are perfect. We all got our issues. I was stress eating ice cream this week, right? Like, it's just real. It's like life is real. But God still chooses in his goodness to allow his presence, his spirit, to take up residence in me and you. Man, that truth blows my mind. My prayer is that we never get over that truth that God is with us. And it's this moment that we get to carry his presence. It's, it's astounding. And it's that we get to be a people who are marked by the presence of God. That we get to carry his presence with us at all times. Is, it just makes me stop and want to celebrate the joy that's why when Jesus said it in Matthew 28, he said that surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. And then the famous verse from Moses in Exodus 33, he says it like this. He says, then Moses said to them, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? Your presence is what distinguishes us. These, so this mustard seed of faith in our lives, this mustard seeds of the presence of God taking root, being cultivated in our lives, being established in our hearts, doesn't just allow us to stay static and dormant and passive and in neutral, but because his presence invades and takes root and causes us to look up to him, we get to see the glory and the splendor and the beauty and the majesty and the awe of the God of the ages there is no option but to erupt with joy and with songs and with celebration and with a joy of the Lord being our strength. So what happens when you come in and you don't feel like it? I would say this. Number one, rehearse the faithfulness of God in your own life. Begin just by, God, you've always been faithful. You're always good. Thank you that the sun rose in the east. Thank you that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you that I have soundness of my mind today, God. And just begin to rehearse the faithfulness of God. Rehearse the faithfulness of God through salvation. Thank you, God, for being faithful to me. That while I was yet a sinner, you died for me that I can know you, that I can have a relationship with you. Rehearse the faithfulness of God in your own life and then rehearse the faithfulness of God that you've seen in other people's lives. God, I thank you so much that they used to be an alcoholic and now they're worshiping you. God, I thank you that that young person who was a prodigal gave his life to Jesus. 
God, I thank you that that person was baptized a few months ago. God, I thank you that that person's in a small group with us. I thank you. And I begin to rehearse the faithfulness of God. And I begin to celebrate his activity because he it has moved. He is moving and he will continue to move. So I'm going to celebrate every point along the journey, no matter what I'm feeling in the moment, I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God. We look up, we celebrate, and we spread. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Mustard seeds cannot be contained. They were made to spread, to invade, to take over. There's nothing passive about the spread of mustard. The moment it takes root is the moment it begins to take over. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, the kingdom of God is like the king coming to shore to take over. But it's not an outright battle that it's actually a great campaign of sabotage. The God of the ages chooses to use you and I to carry his presence, to spread his presence across the globe. This great campaign of sabotage that crosses borders, cities, states, nations, oceans. The presence of God is meant to spread. I love it in Matthew 28, Jesus, the great commission. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is saying, it is not meant to stay with you, but you are meant to go. You are meant to spread my presence across the earth. And then the, I would say that's the Great Commission, like 1B, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The amazing part I love about this verse is that the book of Acts starts in Jerusalem and several chapters go by and then it moves to Judea and Samaria. And by the end of the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is in Rome the end of the world in that day. God's presence was meant to go to the ends of the earth and it is still going to the ends of the earth today. When mustard seed takes root and starts to go, there is no stopping it. The presence of God will invade the entirety of the earth. It will go past and beyond any of the confines we try to apply to it. It has always been moving and taking ground. And it has continued to spread first in us and then through us. Where and how in our lives are we allowing God's presence to take up residence? Just in our own lives, where, where and how? We want to move past the nouns and the adjectives and we want to move into the verbs. How? 
What is, what is God's presence accomplishing in my life? How am I being transformed? How am I allowing his presence to cultivate and change my life? How am I scattering? How are we seeing transformation take place to our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, the people around us? Where are we seeing these changes take root in their lives? Where are we seeing these little inbreaking moments of God at work in their hearts and in their lives? This is intentional. This is part of why we do small groups even as a church. We're, we're talking about small groups and launch day and all the things today, but it's, it's really so that, that we can gather and then we scatter as a church because God's presence isn't meant to stay in the confines of these four walls. We come in and collectively, we come in carrying God's presence and collectively experience his presence and then we get to scatter across our city to share God's presence with the world. This is what the presence of God does. This is what the church does. This is what the people of God, this is what we do. And all it takes is to allow this mustard seed to take root. And bending your will the will of God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So if you're in here today, if we could, I'd like you just to take a moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Really just as a, a moment to create some extra space, like an extra quietness of your soul. If you're in the room today and you just go, Nathan, I'm, I got a battle and it's trying to steal my gaze. It's trying to get me to lower my eyes. It's trying to rob me of celebrating God's presence. That right now it, it seems and feels insurmountable. Maybe your marriage is in crisis. You have children who have walked away from the Lord and you're, you're anxious and you're worrying what that's gonna, how that's gonna end up. You're facing a financial difficulty. There's health scares. There's relationships that are causing just this enormous amount of stress and anxiety and you should go I just that's me I'm facing I'm facing some sort of battle right now if you could just just pop your hand up in the air just for a moment amen 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 Jesus I pray for all of my friends today 
God, I pray that the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the mustard seed would begin just to take root afresh. That those battles that are real, to feel like a mountain, would be overcome by the presence of God. The fresh joy would be deposited into our hearts. Instead of stress, peace. Instead of fear, hope. Instead of doubt, confidence. And instead of anxiety, a fresh grace. And you would transform us. Your presence growing inside of us would fill us and change us and empower us to be a presence people. And if you're in the room today and you just go, and I'd like to take a step and I'd like to become a presence person, but I don't, I don't even know what my relationship with Jesus looks like right now. And if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, if you want to go, I know I'm not perfect, but I want to start today. I want to start walking with you, Jesus. I want to allow the kingdom of God the seeds to be planted in my heart. That I know I've sinned, I've made mistakes, I've fallen short, but that's the kind of relationship with Jesus that I want today. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, straight right, just, just raise your hand again, just for a moment, just up and down. Amen. 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 If that was you today, I just wanna encourage you just to, I just wanna pray with you, but it, my goal is for you just to make this prayer your own. Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. Today I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking that you would become my king and my Lord. And today I'm committing to following you, to walking with you, to becoming a presence person in Jesus' name. And all of Reading Church said amen. Amen. As we stand to our feet, can we put our hands together for every single person who prayed that prayer? Amen. Amen. Our ushers are going to go and come forward. And as they do, I just want to encourage you. If you said yes to following Jesus, there were hands going up. I want to encourage you to fill out the I have decided card. Or maybe even as we were praying, you felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, I want to take, a, I want to take my next step in allowing God.
God's presence to, to grow in my life. So maybe I want to become, I want to be baptized or maybe I want to take reading DNA or I want to, whatever it is, whatever you have decided to do, whatever step the Lord has spoken to you to do, we would love it if you could fill out the I have decided card right in your seat and drop it in the offering buckets or at the information center. Our goal is this. It's not to add you to an email list or any of those things. Our goal is to help you walk with that decision that you've made today. We want to come alongside you and resource you. We want to help. Pastor Paul did a great job of when you intentionally step into community, what you're doing is you're cultivating the presence of God in your life. So we want to help you do just that. And we just want to say thank you to all of the, the givers. Thank you for giving. It's incredible to see what God is doing and has done in Kansas City through Radiant Church. We've got bowl conference at the end of the month, but we still have surf projects happening. We have um, people helping single moms and widows around the house. We've got um, just incredible opportunities in our city, locally feeding people, feeding homeless people. Um, bowl conference, like I said, Camp Radiance happening right now. We have missionaries that we support all around the world. And it is incredible to see the advancement of the gospel in our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. And it's through your giving and your generosity, so thank you. Let's pray, let's give, and then we'll worship. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for every single man and woman, God, who's been faithful to give generously and with a joyful heart. Your word says that you love a cheerful giver. So God, we are honored that you would allow us to partner with your kingdom to change the world. God, I pray that you would bless the giver. Your hand would be upon them. God, the evidence of your blessing and your favor would rest on them. Jesus, I pray that as we give, we would worship. God, I pray that as we give, we would see people transformed. I pray that the, the people in our city, in our nation, and even around the world will be transformed and marked by the, the scattering of your presence into their lives. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. In your interest, amen.